Already we are live on Facebook, so that technology seems to be working. And I like to see you opening wine. And we are live on Zoom, so that is actually working well. And for the first time in 32 weeks, we are one minute early. So we're going to give a bunch of people an opportunity to jump in. I already see Zoom filling up very quickly. Hello to Debbie Long. Hello to Eric Lefra. Eric, you're going to have to help me with that. I need some pronunciation in the chat. Lefra, Julie Fogarty, Kay Jerica, Nick Schramm, Peter Glick, newest angel in the house. Uh, Peter Glick from Chicago. Sean Manning and Marilyn Manning, I know are sitting in a very, very comfortable abode, maybe near a fire pit in Colorado. Uh, Jeff and Jane Greasy are in the house. And uh, our guest tonight, she may or may not remember this, has met Jeff and Jane Greasy. Uh, and we are going to show photographic evidence of that a little bit later. So thank you, Jeff and Jane. Julie Fogarty is in the house. And Jeff and Jane, I expect a cameo from Piper. And uh, we're going to rely on Piper's parents to get as many people that they know into this friendly, supportive neighborhood of wine lovers. So we're going to give it about another minute while things fill up. But uh, while we're doing that, I just want to welcome everybody to SIP 32. This is 32 weeks consecutive Fridays of us bringing some of the best winemakers in Napa and Sonoma into your living rooms. Uh, this week, we're very, very fortunate to have an actual old friend of the company whose wines have graced our website uh, quite a few times. And it's actually something that I've been looking forward to for several weeks or a month or more. She's been looking forward to it and she had one heck of a crazy week this week. And so we're thrilled. Her third location worked out perfectly technologically. And now she'll be joining us in a conversation in a couple seconds. But I want to just kind of raise a glass to all of you on Zoom, Amy McGowan on Facebook and a bunch of others on Facebook, because in about a month from now, we're all going to sit down and give thanks. But I want to jump ahead and give thanks this evening because it, it is not it's not lost on us how important our supporters are. And when you tune in around the country and when you buy wine and you help amazing causes like Save the Family Farms, uh, Vineyards to Villages, WCK World Central Kitchen, helping feed people in natural disasters like uh, the hurricanes that have been hitting Louisiana and Texas all year long, uh, Folds of Honor, Pediatric Cancer Research Foundation, Every time you guys buy wine, you help someone and make a difference. And, and you're the type of difference makers that we like to have. So thank you all for the support. Uh, we're going to give you thanks now and, and well into the new year because uh, we're going to get through this. As we say every week, just because we have to physically distance doesn't mean we have to socially distance. So I want you to sit back. Uh, we've got a couple big announcements tonight, one at the end that I think you're going to want to hear. And it is my distinct pleasure, honor, and humbled to be able to introduce to you uh, a great winemaking family that has a fantastic story that you're going to meet because that's what we do at Cellar Angels. We're storytellers. So let's learn the story of Honorama Cellars via the founder, Miriam Fuentes. So Miriam, thank you so much for joining us. I'm going to toast you and I'm glad you're here. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you so much for having us. First of all, thank you, Cellar Angels, Martin and Denise, for everything that you guys do and bringing us all together. Um, so we are Onrama Cellars. We are a boutique microwinery here in the heart of the beautiful Napa Valley. We started in 2008 with 500 cases of 100% Cabernet grapes out of Rutherford. Um, now, nowadays, we've been very fortunate. We now have a tasting room in Sonoma. We own a seven acre ranch in South Napa. 
And so slowly but surely, we're every day, we're just working really hard and promoting our wines and, and, and living our dream and working towards our goals in the wine industry. And it's, I mean, I'm fascinated by the story and Left's rude. Thank you, Eric. That's outstanding. Michelle Marcella, I wore white because I'm getting tanner and tanner. And I want you to just see the entire incredible bronze pigment of my skin. Um, hello to uh, Michelle and Brian Marcella. Jim Brubaker, also from Colorado. Jan Kiefer, hello. This is actually filling up. I like to see it. Nelson Holden, fantastic. Nick Tram, I may have said you twice. Scotland Kiefer from Chicago in the house. Stephanie Meyer Ewald. And I think I'm going to hear uh, Juan join us a second. So this is Juan. And Juan is at the ranch. So making a cameo. Uh, so you said you started the winery, Miriam, in 2008. Yes. So in 2008, we were able to produce 500 cases of wine, and it's been working every year after that. And now we've um, we've added a rosé, cabernet, we get wine to our portfolio. So we're very very happy to share that with guests and on Rama Wine supporters. Well, I just want to give everybody a little context. Juan is at the ranch, but I'm going to show you uh, in a little bit. Uh, so the noise you're hearing is it's a working ranch. And Miriam is at home. Uh, they've been basically shuttling back and forth trying to find the best internet. And it wasn't very helpful today. It worked yesterday in rehearsal very well. Uh, so, and Juan, we're going to get to you in just a second. But you look, I, I love the, the imagery behind you. The signage is fantastic. So, uh, is Juan at this location over my shoulder or is he at the ranch? Juan is at the ranch. The location over your shoulder, that's our tasting room. And, and, and Juan, don't worry, uh, mission control over my shoulder here muted you in the production studio. So when, I, when we need Juan to talk, uh, we will actually get Juan on so that Juan can sit and look pretty for a little bit. So now, Miriam, your side of this story actually originates with your father. And I think this is very important because it is one of those fantastic American stories to where uh, the amount of effort and labor put forth by your family in providing for the children is something of noteworthiness and moving up and down all of California. But walk us through a little bit of that background and that history and you know, when your father came to the essentially wine country. So my father, my mom and I, um, we're expats from Guanajuato, Mexico. We moved to California in the early 80s, established in Bakersfield, California. And my parents would travel north to south of the state looking for the seasonal crops. After um, finding a job here in Rutherford, California, working for an amazing, amazing family who have been earth angels to us. Wait, don't, don't, don't say the name yet because that's a, that's, a, that's a quiz question later on. Okay. I'll leave that question. Yeah, so they, uh, my dad worked three seasons in a row for this amazing Earth Angel family that are amazing and wonderful to not just us, but to everybody. And um, after the third season of coming during harvest, because agri in the agriculture world, people like, uh, farm workers like to find a job in the Napa Valley or in Northern California during harvest, because it's known that's when you have an extra, you, you get paid a little bit of extra money. And so it gives you a cushion to get through the winter until the next seasonal jobs open. And so my dad 
came three years in a row for harvest. He would bring his crew from Bakersfield or Lamont. And um, after his third year, his boss said, um, Honorio, so where are you going now? And my dad said, oh, I'm going to go look for my next job. And he said, what? You don't have a job? And my dad said, no, I'm going to go look for the next season. And he says, well, I've been watching you. You've been so efficient and hard worker. You've been here three years in a row. I have a full-time job for you out in the vineyard. So that was an amazing sure. turning, turning point in our life. So interestingly enough, so prior to that offer for full-time employment, he was chasing different growing seasons throughout the year. Yeah, pretty much. He didn't how, know where the next job would be. How many, how many growing seasons, you know, based upon the crop and everything like that, would, would they find in a single year? I think up to six, six or seven crops, wow. different crops. Yeah, because it was so, peppers, tomatoes, onions, garlic, um, persimmons, um, almonds. Yeah. <laughs> um, Juan, just so you know, Sean in Colorado says he wishes he was sitting across the counter with you drinking wine. He's stuck in Colorado. But uh, there you go. <laughs> Cheers, Sean. Uh, also, why don't we just go ahead with the first poll because I don't want to let the cat out of the bag. But the winery that actually gave Miriam's father, uh, after three years of working, harvest a full-time job is a fairly famous winery in Napa Valley. So I will let the panel, or not the panels, because panelists can't vote, all the attendees uh, feel free to, uh, a couple of them have done some homework uh, or cheated uh, or are Googling right now. So there is, uh, we've got about 70% of the respondents in. We're going to give this five more seconds, four, three, two, one, one, and that's not a hint. All right, let's see what they said. So the famous winery is indeed Camus and the Wagner family. And it's interesting, uh, Opus was not involved, Silver Oak is not involved. Uh, we have eight winners, uh, and this is gonna go on the honor system. So all eight winners, if you would email Miriam and Juan, they will be sending you each a a thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me, uh, so what, let me actually, let me see if I can unmute Juan. Oh, there we go. So they Juan, get, what a, they get a big attaboy. Uh, so they get a big attaboy. <laughs> That's exactly right. They get a pat on the back, a hand slap, and a big out. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll let those eight people relish in, in the jubilation of their victory while the other ones lick their wounds. And there is one more poll question later on. Uh, but so this is the Wagner family. So your father worked for uh, Camus for three years, was about to go on to another produce uh, harvesting job. And Mr. Wagner said, no, 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 stay right there. And then spent how many years at, at Camus? So my dad worked another couple of years out in the vineyard working for Mr. Chuck and then Chuck said, you know, I've been watching you. You work so hard. If you learn to speak English, so he's already promoting, right? Talking about earth angels, pushing you to be a better you. If you learn to speak English, I could give you $1 raise and you could come work inside my production room along our winemaking team. And so my dad, my dad took took it. He'd come home. We, I grew up in a trailer park across from Fremark Abbey in St. Helena. And I remember he would come home, have dinner and go out to his office, which was his work truck. And um, he, he would play Inglés in Barreras. So he invested in a Rosetta Stone type, but it was Inglés in Barreras. And he's one right. of the 
successful stories. He learned to speak English because now I learn in the tasting room, I tell the story and I get a lot of people say, wait, my aunt bought it or my grandma, they never learned. And I said, okay, well, my dad did. <laughs> so it's kind right. of like, it's, a, it's kind of a joke in a way, but um, yeah, he invested in his education and he self-taught himself to speak English and, um, and his boss honored honored the offer and took him in and he made more than a dollar that's where our life really changed that's where we learned to dream bigger that's where we we learned that our hard work and dedication and work ethic paid off and that it was valued so we we, we were given a great opportunity and we did the best that we can and here we are every day so i love to tell the story about them not to brag because they're famous, but because they're amazing people that really, really change our lives. And I, I mean, the story doesn't end there. And it's, and I'm going to mute Juan just for a quick second. Um, because it, it, it has a tragic twist to the story, which is highly unfortunate. And I know your father passed away at a, at a very, very young age, at the age of 38, due to cancer. And and I lost my father um, at, he was at 46. I was 13 years of age. How old were you? Oh my God, I was 18. 18. Okay. Yeah. But, and you were going through school and uh, it was you my know, your, father, your father passed away and what did Mr. Wagner do? Oh my God, it was amazing. So, so before my father passed away, I was going to the, gonna put myself through school at the Napa College and then transfer and work at the same time. And uh, my dad said, you know, I've been talking to my boss and he could, he, he's willing to give me the ropes to, to teach me how to create my own label and make my own wine. And if you took some business classes, it would be very beneficial because you could sell the wine, I'll make the wine and we'll have a small tasty room in downtown St. Helena. Back then that was feasible. <laughs> right, <laughs> that's a good point. That's Rodeo Drive right now. Yes, that's what it is. So I was daddy's girl and immediately his, his dream became my dream. So he planted the seed. He planted the seed and I changed my major. I wanted to study child psychology and I went on to take business classes. I did graduate from St. Mary's and got my bachelor's in business management. And, um, but thanks to the Wagner family because my dad died suddenly and all of a sudden our life was, it, it was paused. It was paused for a while because I had to help my mom raise my brother and my sister. And I still wanted to finish my college education. And somehow I was not gonna let go of that one conversation that he and I had before he passed away. That's amazing. I mean, that is, that's a, talk about a heartfelt story. Uh, John Laleganis, thank you for joining. Uh, appreciate that. Now Juan, uh, as I saw in the comment line from someone more articulate than I, uh, every good ranch has a cat. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> that was Marley. Marley decided to join the meeting, he climbed up on the counter and started uh, taking over the camera. Uh, does Marley have a reggae infection? Um, I'm not sure what, he, what kind of music he likes, but uh, <laughs> he's, he's actually the neighbor's cat, but he's been hanging out the last two months here and we've kind of let him in. So he's been hanging out the property. So Noan, I also know that you have an interesting story that started in the telecom industry. How did you go from the telecom into wine? Uh, well, pretty simple, Miriam. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so I, 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 I worked for PacBell, so the big uh, uh, phone company. 
and uh, I thought I had the best job in the world. I had a great job, great paying job. And um, but I had, I met Miriam right about the same time, so I would commute um, Napa to Sacramento. It was an hour and a half drive. It got pretty old really fast, but it was a good paying job. I lose my job, but by that time, I'd already you know coming over and uh, spending time in, in Napa and with Miriam's mom and family drinking wine I started you know like everybody kind of started liking wine so fell with the wine bug um I, I lose my job and instead of taking the unemployment Miriam set up a resume for me for a wine opening as a cellar rat at a custom crush place and um it's, it's pretty funny because that place is actually across the street from the property we bought so it's literally and then, across the and cellar rat cellar rat is actually aptly named because it is that's the entry level job in the wine business is it not yes yes sure is i remember I'm going here. to that interview and and uh, miriam really set up that resume to the job description so i really didn't even know what the resume said i go to the interview and this lady you know she she right away knew and i just had to fess up i said you know what i just want to work uh, how, do you know how to drive a forklift? And I was like, yeah, I, I do. I like, I, how hard could it be, right? So they're like driving a car. Little did I know that they steer with the rear wheels. So uh, that was a big surprise to me. Um, that was the test. She says, if you could move those barrels down for me, you get, you're hired. But just remember, each one of those barrels is $30,000. So you're bringing down $120,000 worth of wine. So, and um I remember walking toward, towards the forklift and there was a, a Hispanic man there. I don't know what he was doing. I think he was washing some barrels. And I told him in Spanish, I said, hey, how do you turn that damn thing on? He says, oh, well, just turn it on. And and I get on. I was like, all right, turned it on. Yeah, it steers with the rear, not with the front. That was a big surprise. And so how much of the wine did you end up having to pay for? <laughs> no, I didn't drop it. Um, it was a big turning point in, my, in our lives. Um, you know, when, when you're so desperate and hungry and we were living at uh, my mother-in-law's home, you know, um, you're just young, you're hungry. We've always worked all of our lives. I mean, I, I grew up in a little town called Winters on the other side of the hill over by Davis in Sacramento. Um, like my parents migrated here. I was raised in a trailer park. Um, so, you know, started working from the bottom up with, with, uh, how do you say, with a lot of love, with a lot of, uh, hunger, wanting to learn because I had a great paying job and I was making minimum wage, you know, but not minimum wage, but 10 bucks an hour. So, right. you know, asking a lot of questions, got to work with a lot of different winemakers at the custom crush place and really learned a lot and, and very fast. And that's, I mean, Miriam, you had, you had great mentorship in the Wagner family in Camus, and it was always one of your father's dreams to open up a winery, and you were uh, passionate about carrying out that dream. So you opened up the winery in 2008, and obviously you have to make Cabernet Sauvignon uh, because you're, you're in Napa Valley, and you're in, you know, the greatest territory for Napa or for Cabernet there is. So what was it like to uh, be developing, you know, relationship with Juan, now carrying on your father's legacy, 
opening up a brand new winery, making Cabernet as an upstart winemaker. I mean, walk me through that journey and those struggles. Uh, well, personally, I, I stopped. You muted the wrong one. I lost her. No, actually, the um, the production people upstairs hit the wrong button. So, Miriam, I am going to have to ask you to unmute. Um, there we go. So, personally, what were you saying, Miriam? We lost everything. And uh, and Juan, speaking of losing your job, that intern that just hit that button is going to be gone. <laughs> No, don't do that. We all make mistakes. Yeah. So go ahead, Miriam. 2008, you're, you're embarking on a Cabernet journey as a young upstart winery. Oh, my God. It was really, really hard. It was very hard because we didn't have a tasting room. We didn't own a vineyard or a block, but I could bring somebody to come and, and do the tour to make it more enticing. And, um, we were out there. We had already, we were living our wine. We were living the dream and starting to live it. So I would go, I actually was able to open an account working. I opened an account for Onrama at the Concord Costco. Because I would go to hotel lobbies and uh, pour wine and entice people to buy our wine. And I would go open in local restaurants and wine shops. And um, I, I got a lot of love and support from a lot of restaurants and wine shops. But we needed more, right? There's only so much support you could get at a restaurant or in a wine shop. So I remember I went into my local Costco and I said, I understand that you got, who's your wine buyer? And I understand that you support small business producers. We are very small. I'm on the other side of the hill. I need your help. And oh my God, it took like a year and a half to get in. But I was persuasive. I was answering emails. I was staying content. Uh, I was staying in contact. And I remember that Mary was the buyer um, for a Costco. And she said, I she said, I need a meeting with you. I went in, I presented our wines, I told our story. And uh she offered a prize that it was going to be pretty much just to market our wine. But I went for it. I told Juan, this is a way to be out in front of a lot of different people. Yes, we're not going to make any money. Yes, we have to really bring the price down. But um, that was a start. That was a foot in the door. And I remember. And then, uh, how many cases did you make that first year? 500 cases. 500. And where is of the Cabernet today, and specifically the Cabernet that people are drinking, the 2014, uh, what was the case production on that one? On the 2014, we're still at the 500 case for the 2014. So you're still at that level, okay. Yes. Uh, but the portfolio has grown quite a bit. Yes, the portfolio has grown. So we're between 12 to 1500 cases annually. Awesome. It's, um, it's amazing, it's amazing to produce amazing wines, but we need to move the inventory. So that's another story. <laughs> well, let me actually show uh, some people a picture because you and Juan were kind enough at a, an impromptu meetup last year in August when we were in Napa. Uh, you guys came out and you brought wine, you brought friends. Uh, you happen to know this guy right here, Mr. Ignacio Degadillo. Yes. Uh, this is Jeff Greasy. Uh, Jeff is actually on the line with us this evening. He has and his wife Jane now have grandchildren that are a um, little young to be drinking, but that's never stopped anybody before. Uh, 
but uh, Jeff has been, Jeff and Jane Greasy have been to every single SIP we've had 32 weeks in a row. So that is fantastic support. We appreciate that. Uh, here's Juan and the photographer behind this lovely photo is Miriam. Uh, but this was a awesome little event we had on, on top of a roof in downtown Napa. Uh, this is Elise Nearlove from Elkhorn Peak and Hannah, one of her friends who also owns a winery. But it's just great when you guys all support each other in this community to be able to just come out because it was a couple texts that were sent out. And then literally within an hour, we had 25 people up there, everyone bringing wine and drinking. And, you know, as we like to say in Napa, it was another shitty day in paradise. It was so much fun. It was nice to meet up with you guys. It was a fun evening. And I want to give people, I know because everyone's uh, jonesing for some Google Earth. So let me get that out of the way. And we will start with, of course, my happy place. Which, which is Hawaii, uh, but that's just because Denise and I were married there 20 years ago uh, and want to get back. But let's start where we always start with wine region. I want to see how long of a flight this would be. So there we go. Uh, and it's interesting because I'm going to show some folks where you're located uh, and, and where you source the wine from. But I, I marvel and I, we had a private tasting earlier this week and I had to do some, ironically, I had to do some studying on soil species and soil status. And it, I learned that Napa Valley has six of the 12 known soils in the world, uh, all within Napa, within Napa County and Sonoma County. So it's one of those things in addition to all of the maritime influence uh, and all the rivers, all the vol volcanic activity, all the geological activity, all the uplifting of the oceans. It makes this soil area here fantastic for growing wine. So you've got Napa County, you've got Sonoma County, but where the tasting room is behind me is right in the Sonoma side. And it's a spectacular tasting room. And you haven't been there long, you've been there less than a year. And one of the things I like about it is that it's on the road that comes off of the Golden Gate Bridge as you're heading into Napa. And I've driven by this area, I'm not kidding you, Miriam and Juan, uh, 200 times, 300 times, and have never stopped in because you weren't there. So now that I know that you are tasting here, uh, I have to drive right by this when we head into Napa anyways. And we normally would stop at Domain Carneros right up the road and, and get some bubbles because we're huge fans of bubbles at Cellar Angels. And I know you're gonna have an announcement later on. Oh, I like that, it's a good plant. Uh, but this is actually where you can taste uh, Onorama, and it's a beautiful, beautiful setting. And so how did you decide on this location? And tell us a little bit about that. Juan, do you want to mention a little bit about that? Let me see. Um, well, we all work together, like you said, about Elise Nerlev with uh, Save the Family Farms. Um, we, we all do business with each other, and so Eris and my dream happens to be Armando and Pedro Peja, and uh, they do custom parts in their building, so we're able to produce our wines, we're, we're, a, we're part of their, we're part of the collective there now, because we make our wines in their facility, but just amazing people who have um, given us a hand, a little lift to, to make our wine and um, work with us and what we're doing, and it's, it's, been a, it's been a great fit. It's only 15 minutes from our home and 15 minutes drive from the ranch, so it's been really well. 
it's has there been any has there been any discussion, Water Marion, to turn this into like a little par three course? <laughs> a little golf course, maybe. It, it, it could be a little par three with the little pond there. It's really nice exactly. and long there. Just, you know, I, if there's a suggestion box, I'd like to throw that in the suggestion box. That would be kind of fun. <laughs> um, you know, the, ran the ranch is uh, actually walking distance from the Chardonnay and the Eagle Vines golf course here in Napa. Okay. I know yeah. exactly where that is. Yeah, it's the walking so, distance. So the Cabernet that people are drinking on, uh, that they purchased on the website, is, is from Rutherford. And I know we actually can't reveal where in Rutherford that is from. So what I have done, Miriam, uh, is created an undisclosed location. So now we have, uh, if anybody can recognize this from, where are we? Um, 160 feet, it's gotta be higher than that. Uh, this is Whitehall Lane Winery. This is Raymond Winery. Uh, this is Rutherford, the whole region of Rutherford, and it's right there where you're, where you're at. Right there, that's where the vineyard is. Right there. Okay. Right there. Perfect. And so now this has that that magical Rutherford dust. So yes. How do you describe that Juan as a winemaker? I think uh, when we first, you know, when we we scored on these grapes and and we're able to source fruit from that specific place, it, it had to be from that specific place because you know, the story and Miriam's dad and working there in Rutherford and the location was perfect. I mean, you're surrounded by great vineyards, but the wine, it's very traditional, very, you could really taste the Rutherford dust on this wine. It's uh, rich, very Napa cab, you know, traditional Rutherford cab, you know, very distinctive. It's, uh, I always marvel at Rutherford wineries and, and fruit sources because uh, there's a couple other places where I do get that distinctive cocoa powder type of softness, but it still has the power and finesse. And, and it's, it's just quite a, it's quite a balance of, of attributes that is really something special. So I'm glad we we're able to uh, show that vineyard right off of Route 29. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people on the, on the uh, chat tonight have actually been driven by this and tasted right near there. Uh, but it is something special to see this Valley Floor fruit uh, in, in Rutherford come shining through in 2014. And now it's it's 2020. You've got a new tasting room. You're in the middle of a pandemic. You have um, the balance of Save the Family Farms, wine production, a ranch. Uh, what's the most exciting and what's the most challenging? <laughs> I think the challenge is finding creative ways to sell your wine. <laughs> um, this pandemic has really opened our, you know, opened our eyes and got us out of our comfort zone. Um, but I think it's good. And we've had a really good result and good support from people coming out and visiting us. We're very lucky in the taste room. We have a big patio where we can easily sit 60, 80 people. Um, with, with social distancing. Um, so we're really um, uh, fortunate to, to have that, to be able to host people at the winery. But, but so, the challenge, I mean, challenge for 2020 harvest was uh, the smoke. You know, yeah. I think uh, well over half of the farmers didn't pick their fruits this year. It's a lot of big names, 
did not pick a single ton of grapes. No, so, we were talking with some folks the other day, and you're, you're right. There are some very big names that haven't picked fruit. I mean, Frank family hasn't picked. There's 300,000 cases of wine that's not going to be made. So it's, it's devastating. And luckily, 2019 was a big harvest. 18 was a good harvest as well. So the, I know everybody is, is sitting on, on quite a bit of wine. Um, we did harvest and our wines are tasting phenomenal. I'm really happy. And we're crossing our fingers that uh, the finished product, you know, will not, you, you as a consumer, will, you know, will not pick up any faultful flaws like smoke taint. But um, it's very, I think the smoke was a lot higher this time around than in 2017 where the smoke was really in the vineyard and really affected uh, the wines in 2017 for the people that hadn't picked back in October 14, whenever it was, uh, 2017. But this year, it's very diverse. It changes from vineyard to vineyard. And I've tasted wines who were really affected by the smoke tin. And then the very vineyard next door, you can't really taste. So I know a lot of people did micro fermentations to find out what the you know end game would be but we decided to pick we don't have the luxury to not to pick so we picked and we brought in the fruit and i'm really happy with the way wines are tasted i just got lavender's results yesterday and the wines are are healthy hopefully they stay that way and we don't you know we're going to continue business as usual with the barrels a lot of people are not using new oak they feel the Maya Gaia call comes out more. Um, I'm sorry. The, wait, the, the what comes out more? The molecule, the smoke tank molecule. Got it. Uh, for it, the Maya Gaia call is the proper term. Um, but we're going to continue business as usual and cross our fingers and we'll see what happens. Well, and I mean, the glass fire was mostly north and... Granted, the smoke tank, you know, covers a lot of the valley. So hopefully if you got the fruit in early enough, you dodged a bullet there. And and I'm curious, Juan, when you were sourcing vineyard sources, because now you've been in the valley a long time. Miriam has been in the valley almost her whole life. So the relationships you have with growers, um, you know, with the vineyard management folks, I mean, it allows you to get some pick and access some pretty great fruit. How do you how do you source your fruit? What's your methodology in, in picking fruit for the wines that you want to make? Calling up your friends to give you honesty on what they think is good out there and going out there and sampling. Um, really, I mean, we're lucky to be, have lots of friends in the Valley who work in the vineyard management business, you know? So, right. you know, I'll just call, hey, when, when anything good comes up, let me know. Anything good comes up, let me know. Anything interesting, let me know. So we're always on our toes for that. And, and we were this year, this year was not the exception, um, but it was scary. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's really going to change the wine industry. What happened this year completely. Yes, uh, it's been some devastating news. And uh, Miriam, I'm going to go back to you for a second. First, hello, Carmen Buffington uh, in, on Facebook, also in wine country. Former Chicago person who basically got smart and moved away from the cold weather, and now she's in wine country. Uh, so you're now in your 12th year, Miriam, and I'd be curious, what do you wish you would have known then that you know now? What do we wish we would have known then that we know now? Um, 
I'm not sure. Um, not to give away so much wine. <laughs> I feel that we were out there just pretty much giving a lot of wine um, at hotels. Um, I love the way that we supported nonprofits, but we also gave a lot of way of wine away. <laughs> it's something that we're not doing now. We do, we're still supporting nonprofits, but I just wish, um, I think we've, we've had to really work our way to where we are at right now. And that's the way it's had to be, to be where we are because we've really felt what it is to work hard and to promote your wine and to connect with people. And um, we're very, um, we love, to host, we love to give the best of ourselves. That's just the personality Juan and I have. So I think from the very get go, we gave the best of ourselves to every single person that we met and that we were introducing our wine to. Um, just now we're just, um, the stars are, have lined up. I feel blessed and grateful to have our tasting room in Sonoma, to have our local supporters. Um, out of something bad, something good comes. And um, you are seller angels. We believe in earth angels and angels sent from heaven. Um, when COVID hit, we were devastated, very devastated for about three, four weeks because our tasting room was shut down and we were frozen. And we knew that the bills were still coming through. We had obligations. So um, I just, I have to throw it out there. We got very blessed and um, an angel came to our, my email I got an email from Esther Mobley of the San Francisco Chronicle. Luckily, I didn't Google her. She just said she wanted to interview a small Latino business uh, winery and she wanted to see how we were doing or what we were gonna do to stay afloat during COVID. And I pretty much, I wanted to make, I wanted to make sure I wasn't wasting her time. And we all had to wear a mask and everything. So I said, if she's gonna come and see us and meet Juan and I and my kids, I wanna make sure we're what she's looking for. I don't wanna waste her time. So I just pretty much typed a story right back to her, told her like what we're talking about right now, who we are, what we do, what we're doing. And she came out to meet us at the ranch and we just had a very wow. casual conversation. She met our animals, she met our dogs, she met us. And um, after that, all I do is she's like, can I go out and take pictures? And I said, sure. And then she said, okay, you might have a little column in the next couple of weeks. I said, thank you. And that was it. No, we were in the front page of the San Francisco Chronicle the day after Mother's Day. <laughs> wow. And that was amazing. That was a big, big, big blessing. I must have had a hundred wine orders in one week. I oh did not leave my desk for two weeks, connecting with people, shipping out the wine, and then sending out my thank you cards. And right. So that's yeah. incredible. I mean, it's it's interesting. I've never met Esther personally. She and I are connected on Facebook because yeah. that's where everyone's connected, and LinkedIn. I, I have invited Esther to these events. She hasn't shown up. So, uh, but. Never fear. Uh, I've invited LeBron James and Carmelo Anthony. They haven't shown up either. So uh, they, all three of them profess to be in wine, but none of them show up. I, I have no idea what that's all about, but we're, we're going to keep working on them. Uh, that's an awesome story. And how, how long ago was that? That was on May, the day after Mother's Day, May 11th, was it? May 12th? Yeah. That's a pretty good Mother's Day present. Oh my God, it was beautiful. I remember, I don't get the San Francisco Chronicle, a friend desk, so she kept an eye out on Saturday. She said, nothing. I said, okay. And then Sunday, nothing. And I said, okay, well, happy Mother's Day. Let's go about our business. And then all of a sudden at 6.30, my phone starts 
I, my, I have so many messages and I said, what's happening? And congratulations and what a nice article. And I said, what? <laughs> so I got up and I'm like, oh my God, it was just a beautiful feeling. And, oh, um, that, that warms I my heart. I did not even know that. That's, that's fantastic. And uh, Jim Brubaker has commented that this cab is fantastic. He can't wait to visit. And I want to show folks uh, exactly what they're, how they can get these wines in advance. Most of you know, but for those of you that are new, simply just go to the Cellar Angels website and you can go to the shop area, wine, scroll down. And the first thing you're going to see is that the tasting kit, which is what a lot of people buy because this has your wine for the next several weeks, next several Fridays in a row, a bottle of each. Uh, the crew has also put together a fail-safe set of Thanksgiving wines. Skip all of the hassles, skip the retail stores. Everything you need to have from a Thanksgiving wine pairing, successful wine pairing, is in these three kits of different uh, quantities. And then also, here's the Onrama 2014 Cabernet. Uh, next week, we have uh, Iron Horse uh, with Joy Sterling. So we are, as I mentioned, big fans of bubbles at Cellar Angels. And so I, I want you, Miriam, to tell me about the newest project you have, because when you told me about it yesterday, I was a little bit upset I was so late to learn about this. Oh, okay, okay, yes. So here you have, this is a bottle of our Las Amigas Cuvée. It's a sparkling wine. It's a 2013 Blanc de Noirs, 60% uh, Pinot Noir, 40% uh, Chardonnay, and it's made in that um, Champenois method. It's tasting very, very nice. Um, but this is a project that, that a friend and I um, have together. Juan helped us, the husbands helped us. It's two families, so the Yamas family wines and Onrama Sellers family, and the two husbands supporting us. And um, La Amiga is, is one bride, she's our daughter. And so Lola and I were partners. And um, we, it's a micro production, only 200 cases. And we're very proud and excited. And I'll have to ship you some, some of this bubbly for you when, to take. When did it, uh, well, I want to back up. So it was it the ladies' ideas or the husband's ideas? The ladies' ideas. So, so the husband's COVID-19. <laughs> yeah, it was, like, it was during COVID. So it was, um, we were together doing the whole COVID. We, we quarantined together. So we would walk and talk and, and um, just talk about everything and our worries and our happiness and what we were grateful for and stay focused and stay positive. But um, so we decided to, um, that, that was right after actually was born. It was a little root off of the Chronicle because I was so blessed and my husband and I were just so happy and blessed that we were having all these orders and um, we have other friends in the wine industry that didn't have the same luck and of course I didn't want to say oh I have all these wine orders going out but um, when we walked I told her you know what we could come together and promote both of our wines you have your Cabernet and Chardonnay we have our portfolio and yeah there'll be competition but it's a good type of competition and so, and so that's what we're doing. We're trying to, to do winemakers dinners and pour both of our family wines. And um, the bride shows up first, Las Amigas. Well, I, I think the, the most amazing uh, spiritual aspect of that is the philosophical thing that you decided, okay, out of this incredible pandemic, we're gonna make something good out of it. And, yeah. and of course, why not make a sparkling wine? And, 
And uh, Juan, you've actually been involved in some of the production of the Cabernets, and I have someone asking us, what is the uh, tasting profile distance of the Andres Selection Cab and the Rutherford Cab? So the Andres Selection Cab is our reserve, only 100 cases, only 100 cases produced. It was some fruit we sourced from Howe Mountain, some uh, very, very nice fruit up in Howe Mountain, all mountain fruit, um, hillside. Um, we treated it the, the same, only slightly different on the oak and the type of barrels we used because we knew that that specific wine, we, we wanted to add a reserve wine to our portfolio. So we went with Howe Mountain to change it up from Rutherford and we went all new French oak. Um, we, we used some oak from the Fontainebleau Forest in France, spe very special barrels. So we really wanted to give the consumer a good, good product. So we did, we did everything that we could. The packaging is different. Um, the winemaking is, is the same. The wine is completely different. Um, it's um, on a, a little bit lighter than our Rutherford cab. A very elegant, really nice finish because also because of the wood. Very lots of vanilla um, notes on that on that wine. Well, and what I like about it is that it's it's very approachable now. A lot of Howell Mountain cabs you have to lay down for 10, 15 or more years. This one is, yes. is softer and elegant and it's just a delicious cabernet. And I've had it a couple of yeah. times. So Michelle Marcella, great question. Scotland Kiefer has a question that he wants uh, one of you or both of you to talk about the Onorama Ranch animals on Instagram. Okay, that's that's um that's our son. Um we decided to make a page because we have so many characters in this on this property. We have a pig named George that roams throughout the vineyard. He owns the place. He's the boss because he's the only one that's not really locked in. He's he just does whatever he wants. Um, the horses will be tied up. He'll go or he'll go into their stall and scratch his back on their feet. Um, so my son started capturing some of these pictures and decided to do this also during the pandemic. Um, we have the, the, the steers. We have the bull. We have the sheep. We have the goat. We have five dogs. Um, <laughs> we have two blue healers, Australian shepherds here at the property. And at home we have uh, two chihuahuas and uh, and a pug, and um, we have I don't know 10, 12, 12 horses on the property. So the kids decided to you know to share those with with everybody. What kind of horses? We have all American quarter horses, registered quarter horses. We do have one Warlander, which is a Spanish Andalusian with Frisian. Oh wow. Uh, and so when people come and they taste wine, is horseback riding or paramutual wagering or racing, is that part of it? Well, so we do the wine tastings at the tasting room. But when people want to visit the ranch, they're more than welcome to come visit the property and pet the horses. Um, we keep they want to ride a horse? Give some carrots to the horses. If they want to ride a horse, they could, you know, um, ride a horse. Well, Sean Manning is in Colorado. and He's a huge equestrian. <laughs> Yeah, we have an arena. We have a we have a pretty big arena with some nice sand, and people could ride on it. The vineyards right next door to the arena. Yeah, I grew up with Arabs, but I've never ridden a, a quarter horse, so that would be uh, a little interesting. It's it, it's a lot easier than an Arab. Arabs are a little hot, you know. They're fast. 
and they're always they're like sparks, you know. Yeah, they have some they have some temperament issues sometimes. <laughs> well, uh, it's, I mean, I love the the inclusion of the family in what you're doing, and I love giving them the freedom. Uh, we do have someone. Uh, Denise is actually going to share our youngest person to attend a sip, a, a photo of this young lady. Uh, so, this is Piper. Piper actually actually watching me and Miriam. Uh, her glass is empty, but uh, her I should say not not her glass, her sippy cup. But uh, that is an adorable picture. You got to start them young, right, Juan? Right, Miriam? You gotta you gotta make certain that they they grow up right. Yeah. So I'm I'm a huge fan of the sparkling announcement, and I want to uh, Miriam test you a little bit with our next poll question because. 2008 to 2020, you've got 12, 13 years in this insane business, and you've made uh, a lot of great steps forward, and especially with the new notoriety uh, from the San Francisco Chronicle, the sparkling line, but I know that's challenging. So I want to figure out what, what is the greatest challenge? So the most challenging aspect of running a family business is that managing the husband, and uh, the, you can't answer yet. So... Um, Managing children, managing mother nature. Uh, and so the answers are all over the board right now. Unfortunately, there's no write-in candidates. Uh, we're gonna give this about another 10 seconds. And this is a good, good question because no one can Google the answer to this. Uh, so no one can cheat. Five, four, three, two, one. Ooh, oh. it was neck and neck there for a second. Someone changed their answer at the end. So we've got 50% 50, 50 of the people says managing mother nature is the hardest, most difficult thing about running a family business. In your opinion, what is some of the bigger challenges? No, uh, the bigger challenges, yes, mother nature, I have to agree. Um, on a, Since we're still very micro winery, so mother nature for sure and the economics and then also i have to absolutely tell you guys it is so hard to be a mom to be a wife to have kids and to promote our our business because our business is our baby also it's part of the family so to balance that it's so hard and if i'm not guilty because i'm spending too much time in the tasty room i'm guilty because i'm not spending too much time with my kids and then also at some point i want some me time and it's very challenging. <laughs> and then I, I, one, I can ask you the same question, but I'm not certain there's a safe answer for, for you. Yeah, man, you put me on the spot. <laughs> you know, it's, it's really, it's, it's, it's very challenging, everything that we're doing, because we want to do everything right. You want to be a good father. Um, you know, for Miriam, I know it's super challenging now because not only does she have to be now? She doesn't just go drop off the kids at school and she has those six hours to manage the business. Now she has to be a teacher at home. Right. You know, you know, with you know, COVID-19. So it's, it's, it's very challenging, but these are just obstacles and we just have to go through these obstacles and, and I think we'll be okay. You know, we've, we, we, we've overcome these challenges, you know? 
Yeah, and it's it's funny. I, I saw an interview the other day talking about COVID, talking about the fires, talking about the earthquakes, and there, I haven't seen a, a more true example of resiliency and persistence than I have out of the out of the winemakers and people uh, in wine country. And and I think it's and Miriam, you and I have talked about this, and, and Cellar Angels supporters know that we're very very strong advocates of Save the Family Farms. Uh, because we want the small, limited production or micro-production producer to have a, an equal playing field. And you shouldn't have to be able to have tasting on your property. And, and the only way you can do that is if you build a winery and you have 50,000 gallons. It's just not fair. It's not feasible. There's 1,011 commercially licensed wineries in Napa County. About 450 of them have physical locations. The other are all custom crush, uh, but they're all making fantastic wines. So why on earth would we not have a level playing field to get people out to, to taste? And uh, I agree with you, the challenges are, are there. Where, after this pandemic ends and 2021 rolls along, you know, you're moving ahead, where do you see and want to take the winery? What, what kind of case production, what kind of uh, varietals and portfolio? What's the vision and dream? We want to keep quality wine. I still, uh, we love to make a connection with our visitors and our wine club members. So we want to, it'd be really nice to take it completely to the next level, but it's just really nice to keep it at a level where it's still factory oriented and we're connecting with our, our, our visitors and our wine buyers and supporters and they come in and we see them and we treat them. It's just an amazing feeling that when they walk in, they're like, oh, Oh, what do you mean? Your husband's a winemaker and you own this place? It's that look in their face and they really love it. And it's really nice for us to say, yeah, come on back. You know what? It's pretty slow in the tasting room. We're going to take you into the production room. Let's do a taste of what we have in tank. Let's do a taste of what we have in our barrels. And so I'm sure at some point it'll probably get a little overwhelming. But in the meantime, we do want to grow. We want to continue to sell direct to consumers and um, leave a legacy for our kids. And in order to leave it and make it a legacy, we do have to grow a little bit more. And um, um, mm -hmm. and where do you want to grow to? You're at about 12 to 1500 cases now. Where do you see yourselves topping out at? I think, I think uh, just to be comfortable, we need to stay under 5,000 cases for sure. Under 5,000 to where we still don't lose our minds. <laughs> and then on the sparkling wine there was a question is that sparkling wine on the website or is that uh how is that procured oh yes um you could uh, email it i haven't added it to the website that's a good question because my partner and i are building our website for las, um, las del vino but um definitely through you or you guys could email miriam at onramasellers.com and i'm happy to and out some wine for you guys. Yeah, and if, and if anybody wants the sparkling and you don't have Miriam's email, you can just email us at Cellar Angels. We'll be happy to forward the email on the Miriam and Juan. And if, um, you order some, some, if you order some bubbly and you say that you heard us through Cellar Angels, we'll give you the uh, friends and family pricing. So we're, we're, we're retailing it at um, $65, but we could get it at $49.99 plus tax. If you mention Cellar Angels. I like it. I like it. We have a very large extended family. This is going to be seen by at least four or five people. Um, no, I'm just kidding you on. <laughs> so, so get into 5,000 cases. You have a brand new tasting room. Uh, I, I definitely want people to come out and taste because this tasting room behind me looks fantastic. And, and to spend time with the animals and, and do that whole sort of thing. I mean, that's just like a whole day in and of itself. 
Oh my God. Yes. It's, it's, we're, we're in a triangle every day. So personally, I'm from home to the tasting room, to the ranch, to the ranch, to the tasting room, to home. If I had to do a little TikTok or a boomerang of my day, it would be pretty hilarious because we are definitely a roller coaster. Juan and I are call ourselves the Mexican Griswolds. <laughs> the Mexican Griswolds. Well, Mr. Griswold, uh, where do you see the portfolio going in the very near future? Is there is there Cabernet your your fondness? Do you like the Chardonnay? Do you like making rosé? What kind of uh, gets you excited? You know, um, Cabernet will always be king. Cabernet, I think. Um, I mean, I I really enjoy Cabernet. Um, we've been getting really good. Everybody's really liking our Pinot. El Potrillo has been a really big hit right now. Um, Pinot is a lot more difficult to make. Um, it's it's a varietal that, from personal personally, um, we won't release on it. It's a really good Pinot. Uh, cab, you know, I, I I really enjoy making Cab. That's the Potrillo, yes. Very very. That's a very very nice nice wine. Really happy with with the results on that wine. No, it, 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 I think it's we a very challenging it. wine to make for certain, and it, it did a masterful job on it. It's a fantastic Pinot Noir. Yeah, well, I think we just focus on a Rutherford Cab. Continue with the Hell Mountain. We've had good, good uh, result with the with the Reserve Hell Mountain Cab. So I think we're going to continue with that. And like Miriam said, stay under five thousand cases would be the ideal goal. The more you grow, the more headaches, the more. You know, it doesn't mean you're making more money. It's just, you're just growing, you know, because you have more expenses. Maybe our son will take it to the next level, but we You know, if our, our kids want to take it to the next level, they're more than happy to, but we've been working really hard for this and I don't want to work too much more. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I hear that and I can appreciate that. Uh, you guys have been fantastic. And, and, and Juan, thank you so much for, for sticking through all the technology and jumping on at the ranch. Um, Miriam, the dream realization is something to behold. And it really is a testament to kind of the, the American passion, the American dream, and, and you making the most of it with the chances that you've been given. And the Earth Angels, the Cellar Angels, everyone that helps out. Uh, it's just a magical story. And the Chronicle was wise to actually publish it. So I want to thank you, you guys so much for spending some time with us and, and cheers to your safety, cheers to your health and cheers to the children. And thank you for doing what you're doing. Love it. No, thanks. Thank you for your time. Uh, you bet. We'll see you again in the Valley very, very soon. Come out and visit anybody. Reach out. Call Miriam and stop by and visit us. Unless you said that one was going to saddle up the horses for you guys and throw a carnassa. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. You guys be good. Have a great Friday night. All right, Thank take you. care. All right, bye-bye.